and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Miller and Condon here on a Monday. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Trent Condon, Ken Miller. Uh, for the next couple of hours, talking sports with you. Thanks for tuning in here this morning. Uh, the BMW of the one guest list uh, looks like this. 25 minutes or thereabouts. Matt Snyder from CBSSports.com. Uh, one of the final few Mondays he will join us to kick off the week as we will move to Tuesdays once college football gets here. And oh, by the way. That's mm-hmm. Saturday. Uh, but anyways, we'll get to that throughout the week. But uh, Matt Snyder will talk baseball with Trent and I toward the bottom of the hour. Mitch Holtis in his normal spot uh, on the Kansas City Chiefs, who again looked really good, especially Mahomes and company uh, on uh, over the weekend. We'll talk to Mitch Holtis at 11.05. Nick Olson from 24-7 Sports doing great work at CycloneAlert.com. And then Scott Docterman from The Athletic. Uh, we didn't, the Big Ten Media News broke after our conversation with Doc, correct? It was after. Yes. So maybe we'll dot I's, cross T's on that, but uh, more importantly on the uh, roster, etc. And the Big Ten with our friend Scott Dockerman uh, coming up here at 11.30. Trends play of the day, and there is a football game tonight. Uh, ESPN Monday Night Football. Buck and Aikman in company. It was weird watching Fox last night. Good morning, first of all. Hello. Uh, I know it was Jack's birthday party yesterday. Happy belated to your three-year-old son. Yes. Um, but just watching the, the new Fox team... I know change is different, right? Uh, Olsen and uh, and Burkhardt. Mm-hmm. The bar was set pretty high by the, uh, by oh, the previous Oh, you and Joe duo. Buck, you got to stop. You got to get past it. He called every big game in our lives for the last 20 years. Yeah, right. And did you like him in the beginning? Yes. You did? I did. Are you sure? I don't believe it. I, uh, I, I think this is... Baseball revi- more than football. I think this is some revisionist histories now no, happening in your uh, world. I mean, Madden and Summerall are always it for uh-huh. me. And, not, and now this not young guy that got the job because of his last name, and you were all well, in for the beginning. certainly opened the door. Certainly opened the door. You were I will all give in you that. for the beginning. In grumpy, baseball, I was. Grumpy Ken Miller. No, no, listen to me. In baseball, I was in. He calls a good game. Football? Rather than that duel that's over there now, they stink. I can't watch the Cardinals because of McLaughlin and company. Um, football? But... Um, I don't remember because Madden and Summerall were it, mm-hmm. and Michaels was really good, um, and Joe Buck wasn't on the A team, you know. Mm-hmm. But boy, calling a baseball game, anyways. He was great at baseball. Oh, he's terrific at baseball. I was not a football guy. He was he was not good in the beginning. He's talked about this. He talked about he I'm tried not, to be Pat Summerall. Yeah, well, and he understood he was bad. Mm-hmm. He was bad at trying to do that and paint that picture and and being the less is more kind of mm-hmm. you know, voice of God, if you will, of Pat Summerall. Well, will you give me the Troy Aikman's head and shoulders above Greg Olson? Well, now, yeah. in the beginning, was he? No, he was bad in the beginning too. I don't. I like Greg Olson last night. Did I really you? Did yeah? Did and you? I stuck it's with it a lot different. longer. Yeah, it's different. Yeah, I think Aaron Rodgers feels bad that she couldn't go to ESPN. She wants to get off that sinking ship that is Fox Sports A-team. Anyways, uh, we will get Buck and Aikman tonight. You the old man over there. Coming in in a great mood. I just just got a text sent to me just like one minute before we went on the air. I know you were giggling over there. (laughs) Well, seven years ago today, apparently... My former partner, Jim Brinson, dressed up in a shark suit oh, no. and did shark commercials for the keg stand. <laughs> I got a post. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to retweet it. They're yes. sitting at the bar at the keg stand telling jokes. 
Oh, this guy will do. He would do anything for money. Yeah. He, honest to God, would do anything for money. Um, and what was he? Two years ago, he was here, and uh, we got him here, put him on the radio, and mm-hmm. then I had to pay for his Uber yeah, to he, get him out of here. Because <laughs> he called me an Uber. I can't catch a ride. Because I had to pick him up. Yeah, you picked him up, and I paid for his yep. $7. I mean, it was the 7 bucks. I couldn't care less, but right. just typical. Jimmy Beer Jimmy is worth B. the laughs. Uh, anyways, uh, so that's the guest list for today. We'll have Monday Night Football tonight. Uh, football over the weekend uh, was, was okay. Baseball was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we inch a little closer to college football. A couple of, Well, there's one quarterback story that kind of has local tentacles. Well, it's one of the four regional teams. Uh, Nick Mullins was traded from the Raiders uh, to the Vikings. What does that mean? Well, in the grand scheme of things, you want Kirk Cousins to be healthy. Mm-hmm. It's contact sport, um, we know. And watching Kellen Mond on the weekend, I don't, don't know if you much watch much of uh, Paul Allen and uh, company. Boy, PA's good. Yes, he is. Um, I told you he's my favorite radio broadcaster he is. in the NFL. He's really good, and he's a friend, and um, I'm a little biased, but he's really good. Um, but Mond was just awful. Mm-hmm. There's just no getting around it. You know who was good? And I'm going to preface this by saying... I think I'm going to be wrong. I am not anointing this seventh-round pick as a guy that's going to end up in Canton. I'm not sure I'll ever start a game in the NFL. I might be tap, uh, going back a little bit saying he'll never throw a pass in the NFL. And I'm referring to the last pick in the NFL draft. Uh-huh. Brock Purdy wasn't bad at all. So I'm moving around out there. He wa- now he got, he's got to learn to slide because 44... <laughs> If if ESPN still had the Monday night jacked up, which mm-hmm. you can't do anymore because right. the violence, um, he would be in it. Yes. He would definitely be in it. He's got to learn how to slide, put a little pump fake on somebody. He threw two um, um, low percentage passes at the end of the first half that kind of you know hurt his statistics, but he was pretty darn good. He looked like a competent backup and, and developmental. Developmental, yes. I agree. The arm strength is never going to be there. No. Nope. I, I don't think at this point when you're, what, 23, 24 years old. Mm-hmm. It's not like suddenly you're going to get a bunch more pop all of a sudden yep. in the fastball, if you will. But he can move around. He can make plays. And in a backup role, is there a possibility even at a flat six foot? He's not big. Mm-hmm. Nope. Not Doesn't have the strong arm, but nope. right system. Right? Sees the game well. Started a lot of games. Mm-hmm. Was pointed out by many Niners writers that uh, that I've read, well, two, uh, <laughs> since then. Um, but there we'll there were a couple of early returns at camp. There was one yes. that I remember that said it was the weakest arm we've ever seen in a 49er yes. practice field. I, know. I read the there same was, thing. There were some ugly yeah. statements early on, but a I gamer. A game. You know, he's not, he's not going to show up at the combine and do well. No. He's never going to win the inter- underwear Olympics. No. Nope. Nope. You put him out there. Yeah, he's a football player. He wasn't bad, and he can make some plays. Yep, and he and he is did. this the right fit for him though? Do they make him a developmental third uh, guy? Do they make him a developmental third guy? Maybe. Yeah, I could see that. I don't think that he's going to be cut, Trent, by any means. Um, Nate Sudfeld started, but Purdy played more. Look, there's no future for Garoppolo there. They've right. made that very clear. So what are they waiting for, an injury? I think they're waiting for a quarterback to get an injury and, and, and hoping against hope that they can get a sixth, a seventh, anything mm-hmm. before they just have to cap, uh, cut him and eat the entire cap. But Purdy was good. Yeah. And Trey Lance didn't even dress, so he wasn't going to get involved in the football game. It's funny how uh, teams, not funny, but it's, it's um, you know, some teams, everybody does it differently, right? I mean, Patrick Mahomes is playing in these football games. Josh Allen made the Broncos look sick on Saturday at noon. Yeah. I mean, just awful. But, um, you know, some guys play their, their best guys. 
Um, and not the entire game by any means, mm-hmm. but something. Don't even put them in uniform. Don't even put them in pads. It was great just being able to flip on and watch football. It really was. Yeah. Too bad I had to listen to that thing last night. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Greg Olson was good. I enjoyed he'll, him. He'll grow on me. He will. He'll he'll get there. You didn't like Booga Shambi in the beginning for the Cubs. You I thought like he Boog sucked. Booga a lot. Yeah. I didn't say sucked. No, I just you, said it's different. Yeah, no. You you were you were ripping him early on. I said, was I? Yeah. Play the tape. Do you have that on tape? I can find it. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Uh, so, speaking of baseball, baseball from over the weekend, your takeaway was what? Uh, my twins continue to be in trouble. That was my biggest takeaway, but... For something a little more relevant, is the NL Central race over? I told you that last week. You did. You're going to remind me of all the uh, Mrs. Swing and Mrs. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it is, Trent. I do. I really do. Um, Pujols continues to hit, uh, hit hit balls out of ballparks. Just um, absolutely. He's like the best guy against lefties here over the last month and a half. It's incredible. You know, it's, even if you hate the Cardinal, you know, that's a good question for Cappy because he hates them. He does. Um is he rooting? I, I see so many Cubs fans that are rooting for Albert Pujols and the story to get the 700. He had a couple more on Saturday night against Mad Bum. At least he was scheduled to start. I believe it was left-hander on the mound, so I'm assuming it was him. Um, it's something to watch down the stretch because to your point, to, your, to answer your question, yes, I think it is. I really do. Is this council's place, price? Uh, does he pay the price? He's been there a long time. He has, and they've had a lot of talent. Uh-huh. And they haven't been able to get over that. Well, was it last year they got to the NLCS? Mm, they certainly playoff. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, it was last year in the yeah. NLCS. If they fail to make the playoffs, though, and they're they're not the wild card's not going to come right. from the central. That's just because not. we know the Braves or yep. Mets are going to get one. Mm-hmm. Phillies continue to play mm-hmm. pretty well. Padres are in. Padres are in. Brewers yeah. might sneak in with one of them. Brewers Maybe. have a chance. They might get that last yeah, spot. Yeah. They're a game and a half back of the Phillies right now for Are the they? final spot uh, in the wild card race. But, yeah, if they don't make the playoffs this year, they still got another year of making a go of it, right? And then they'll probably have to go through their standard, start to tear it down, mm-hmm. rebuild it up mm-hmm. at minimum. Yelich, mm-hmm. uh, the injury completely changed the complexion of his career. It did. He, he was, was a Hall he, of Famer. I was just going to say the same thing, yeah. trending in, uh, towards a Hall of Fame career. I mean, now, they can't argue that. Hall of Very Good. I think that's probably best. Speaking of that, you're, you're, you're twins, and mm-hmm. you're not the only one that roots for them in the market here. Okay. I didn't realize, Trent, um, Buxton and Correa, uh, lately, mm-hmm. the anchors that they've become. And they're, they're still good players. Defensively, they're, they're way above average. Mm-hmm. But they got hit a little bit. So, and if they did, where would this team be right now? Oh, they'd be fine. I mean, they'd probably be like the Cardinals five games up in the division and coasting. And, well, if Pagan wasn't on the team and oh, God, they wouldn't bad. have blown those five games against the, in, the Guardians, uh-huh. it'd be a different conversation, too. You know, Buxton's such an interesting one because we've talked about the talent now for seven years. Mm-hmm. Talent's never a problem. And he's stayed relatively healthy this year. But he hasn't. And is that what it is? He's he is, playing hurt? He is playing not just hurt, incredibly hurt. Um, listening to a couple of the beat guys, uh, I was listening last week to last week to a podcast with Aaron Gleeman, uh-huh. who works for the Athletic and yep. is on the beat. And he put it in no uncertain terms: it's difficult for him to get out of bed. I mean, that's he is wow. physically the three hours that he plays a game is all he can do physically, basically at this point. So wow. we're talking about a guy that is out there, but that's the thing: you watch plenty of Twins. Mm-hmm. You haven't seen it. No. It doesn't come up. He does not 
want to make excuses. Sir, Trent, when you just told me this, is the first I've heard. That is the kind of person that Byron Buxton is. He doesn't like to talk in general about mm-hmm. himself. And he's probably fed up by hearing all this stuff about how fragile he is. And that's another part of it, too. Something that has just become such a, a annoyance for him. He does not want to talk about anything injury-related. And those guys in the beat know he's hurting. It would be very easy for everybody to come out with an article and talk about how much he's struggling and what's it take to get ready every day to play. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to do that. And because of that, there's a lot of people, I think, that are in the dark that just don't understand physically what he's going through. But he's been bad. And he had another one of these stretches earlier this season. Got hot, got really cold for, I think he had a stretch where he was something like 2 for 42, something mm. like that, and was able to get out of it. But this was going back to the All-Star game. There were a lot of people, Twins fans, that said he shouldn't play. He shouldn't make a go of it because he's struggling this much. And even a couple of extra days off would be that important. So did he? I mean, there was a couple of instances. I know I can remember. I think twice sliding mm-hmm. into second base where he, um, he was in pain. Yeah, and I think, was that where? Is that what happened? Well, I think he has a, a plantar fasciitis oh, okay. type of injury. I think yeah. that's one of them. And there, yeah, there's been other ones. There's a hand injury that he's been dealing with. He's had all kinds of that shoulder injury for a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what he has, he's more, made out of porcelain. Yeah, you can see it. The Korea one though, I don't get it. Nor do I. Physically, looks okay. Yeah. Still got a million-dollar arm from deep in the hole. Yes, absolutely. He can make the plays Mm -hmm. defensively. And he has been pretty good in clutch situations. But just overall, it's been a disappointing year. Yeah, I think it has For Carlos Correa. He comes in, becomes the highest-paid twin. It was a shock to all of Major League Mm -hmm. Baseball that they got him. And this was going to be a one-year deal by all accounts. And it still will be. Oh, I agree. He'll still go into the open market, and somebody's still Mm -hmm. going to give him a big contract. But disappointing. To say the least. Yeah, two guys that you thought you could kind of put on your back and offensively they carry them. It's mm-hmm. been more kind of the young guys. It's been an inconsistent team. Cleveland continues to do it. And they got to make a game today with the White Sox. Or no, the Royals, isn't it? No, it's from yesterday. Oh, they got to make up a game. Yes. They, uh, yesterday's game was what, rained out. You know, you know what it was? Is the, it was the field conditions. Oh, you're right. It is White Sox yeah, it's Royals. Royals. Today. Yeah. And then they get back on a plane and go right back to, is it Baltimore? They were they in do. Cleveland. Yes. They go to, they go to KC for one game for today. One game, yeah. And then right back to Baltimore for, uh, for the series. <laughs> That's a And they're going to have to make up Cleveland. But the, the rains came in Cleveland on Saturday and the field didn't drain. Yeah. And they couldn't play yesterday. So they postponed it. So that one will be an extra one added on. If it, the Twins, they got the Astros. They still got the Giants, the Red Sox, the Yankees, uh, and then a bunch with both Cleveland and the White Sox. It's not a must win tonight. It's a game. When you have the Rangers, you mean, in town? But you just want to get this one. Mm-hmm. At least salvage a split out of it and, and get some kind of positive momentum. You get it back to a single game then going into the week. You play the Astros. Look, we know all these teams in the Central when you're playing no. the heavy heads. It's a different league that yep. you're going up against when you're taking on the Yankees in Houston, and I think we'll see that for the. Not sure I put the Yankees in that sentence. There's something wrong been? here. Yeah. There's something wrong here. I mean, they salvaged the, one of the four for, against the Jays this weekend, mm-hmm. but they're not yeah, hitting the ball. Yeah, you saw a lot of them, didn't you? I did. I saw a lot of baseball with the with the Yankees and the Blue Jays uh, this weekend. Are they weekend. pressing? Are they? I don't know. Boone's frustrated as hell. I mean, yeah. he pounded the table in the uh, uh, post uh, game press conference on after Saturday's game. They got one yesterday. They got Mano, which you know, hats off to them because that's the Jays' best starter. There was some chirping going on. I saw in the game. There too. was because. Uh, Mano hits a lot of guys. Yes, he does. And, and he hit Judge. And Garrett Cole came running out of the dugout. Do you want to fight? 
Yeah. He got shelled the day before. That, that was Judge telling everybody, too, to like it, stay it, back. He didn't mean this. Yeah. And then Mano and him just had a conversation and patted each other on the chest. And Garrett Cole is just being a red yeah, ass. Just, that's, that's what he was. Yeah. I didn't understand that one. But um, anyways, was what it was. Um, so that's kind of the story in sports from the weekend, right? What am I missing? We really got nothing to report. I were Iowa state-wise, as no. far as we know. We'll get the latest coming up with Dockerman. Uh, this was this past weekend was the last one without college football. Uh, the Scott Frost puking thing, it's um, not going over well. No, I don't know why he said it. What was behind it? Because he's a meathead. He is a old school football meathead that just he's not smart. He's not a bright man. Mm-hmm. Do you think of Scott Frost is a smart guy? No, I think of him just as a knucklehead, a knuckle dragging. <laughs> he's not a bright guy. You don't say things like that. You just don't. Even if it's true, which it was, which it, it is. It's not. Yeah, right. it's a I lie. Totally agree. Why, why are you lying? Right. Why lie? It just it serves no purpose, right? It doesn't. And what he said, if you missed it, fifteen or twenty guys puking every day, every day at practice at the offensive line, the offensive line. Yeah. Yep, they're puking 15, 20 times a day. These are college kids. <laughs> Do you think Trev Albers got a phone call from somebody to see if there was any validity to that statement? That's I would hope. A, right. We dealt with Rabdo here, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're going through that on a daily basis, that, that's probably not good for well. And, and Rabdo was a long time ago. It was, and, and you know um, where we're at now yes. in today's world. And here we are in 2022, and, and we still got, got this. Guys, yeah, do you love him water Scott, or is that uh, depending how they practice? <laughs> Knuckle dragger over there. He's just a moron. <laughs> and and he is. He's got talent. There's talent on that team, and I think they have the right quarterback. Do you? Casey Thompson, if you saw him after the Oklahoma game, right. you did not see the Casey Thompson that was there. True. The guy before that, before mm-hmm. the injury, was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Martinez became such an enigma. Good the story, talent. by the way, published at The Athletic on him today. Oh, really? Max Olson wrote it, yeah. I'll put that one on, yep. on the tab list and, and get to that one a little bit later. It just The marriage never worked, right? Nope. Every time that Martinez would take a step forward, it'd be two yep. steps back and... There was just too much negativity. You know those people, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what they do, but they're just they're going to step in it yep. one way or the other. And that was the case with Martinez and Nebraska. I think a fresh start for both of them. I think they're both going to do well. Mm-hmm. Who has a better season, though? Martinez or Casey Thompson? Martinez at Kansas State, who I, I think is another good marriage. I believe that Kleiman can get rid of some of the fumbleitis and the dumb yeah. turnovers. Coach that out of him at least a little bit at this point. And then you got Thompson. Thompson has to face the Hawks. He has to face Wisconsin, Wisconsin, Minnesota. Minnesota's got a salty defense. Big 12 defenses are better than they once were. Um, so I think statistically, Casey I, Thompson will have I the better year. When if you're W and L in it, though, no, I don't want to do that. But um, <laughs> would you? Would you? Is Nebraska going to win more games than K State? No. There's so much love for K State. What am I missing? This is everybody's dark. Well, if it's not Oklahoma and fill in the blank, who's that team in the middle of the? Oh, it's K State this year. Watch out for K State. Is that eight and four good though? I don't think anybody thinks they're going ten and two. Are no, they? No. Yeah. No. What's their? What's their? Um, their non-con K States. Well, right if field. if Snyder, South Dakota, oh Missouri stuff. Missouri right. will be tricky. Yeah. Tulane. Huh? Uh, and then their final month of the season is Texas at Baylor at West Virginia, Kansas. They go to Iowa State on the 8th of October. I think it's that. 
Well, you got Deuce Vaughn. Everybody loves watching yes, Deuce Vaughn. Absolutely. But you got a five six guy out there, you get excited about him. And I think that's probably maybe a piece of it too. They got a great defensive lineman, mm-hmm. they got a great running back. Mm-hmm. When you're looking at kind of those elite level pieces, they have Edge that. Rusher Felix. I won't even attempt to yep, say his last name. Thing. He's hyphenated name, but he's really good. Yes, he is. I think that's a piece of it. I think it's a belief too that Kleiman has built it and it's time for that breakthrough season. He had those early wins against Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Won eight games last year. Yeah. Won eight games they won last eight year. Games last yep. year. So can they win another one? Two more? No. Too I, much. I, I think it's too much. Didn't K, did K-State play in that uh, the bowl game that didn't fit? LSU. Right, on a Tuesday night after the, the everybody's last back. One, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The last bowl game, yep. LSU had nobody, nobody. left. Yeah. No, their whole roster was gone. You're their right. wide receiver played quarterback. <laughs> Yes, they had a wide receiver that ended up having to play quarterback for did the Tigers. Coach o to- did he coach in the game? I think he I did. Think he did, too. I think you're right. Yeah. What a oh, way to go out. Really, with that. Unbelievable. Go well, Tigers. We will uh, see a couple of Big Ten schools coming up this Saturday, both of which will appear on the Hawks' schedule as they both reside in the Big Ten West. Nebraska's over in Dublin. Uh, they'll take on Northwestern, and Illinois plays Wyoming. How much separation time-wise? Do you know? I don't know. I did, and yeah. I don't remember. Offhand, yeah, we can uh, bring it up here. College football coming up. On H- Huskers How- played 11.30. 11.30. It is Wyoming, Illinois at 3 o'clock. Oh, perfect, so the game should be over. Yep, so you got Fox for the first one, and then BTN for the second one. And then there's really nothing at night until, if you mean, if you want to stay up till 9, I think it's about 9.30, and this is really a stretch. Vanderbilt in Hawaii. Vandy, Hawaii, that doesn't do a lot is what you're saying. Right. Can I interest you in uh, North Carolina against Florida? Yeah, I'll watch it. How about North Texas, UTEP? That's on stadium. No. Okay. Charlotte, Florida Atlantic? No. CBS Sports Network has it. Maybe. 49ers, Owls. (laughs) You know when they get together. Well, Trent, throw out the records, right? Florida State has a game. You know what? They've they've got a game, and they get a game. Uh, who do they have week two? They, they, they've got a big spot week two, and, and it's in, it's in Atlanta? They go to LSU on Sunday. That's that Sunday game of Labor Day weekend. Right, and LSU, that'll be their first game, and Florida yeah. State will have a tune-up. Yeah, they get Duquesne. The Dukes. A glorified scrimmage. But they'll still have that opportunity to do so prior, prior to taking on LSU. I got one other thing that we didn't talk about this summer. Mike Norvell, they get better this year. Okay. They go eight and four. Okay. They're not challenging for the division, but they're better. All right. And Dion has another great season at Jackson State. Oof. What do you do if you're Florida State? Dion Sanders. I think you have to, don't you? If he's if he wants to take it. Yeah. I think you have to give him the shot. I think you do too. Boy, he's getting some another paying. Yes. But everybody can do that mm-hmm. now. Um so you, are you saying in a roundabout way that you're going to open the door to allow us to talk more ACC this year? No, that's it. No, that's it. Yep. That was it. All right, coming up on 1025, we'll talk baseball when we come back. Uh, Miller and Condon underway on a Monday. Des Moines Sports. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Station 106.3. Construction.net. Kids had won it, Bobby Thompson had done it, and Yogi read the comics all the while. Rock and roll was being born, marijuana we would scorn. So down on the corner, the national pastime went on trial. We're talking baseball, Klazuski, Campanella, talking baseball. All right, good stuff. I don't remember You don't remember that the wee part? No. <laughs> I see you chuckling over there. First time I think I heard I'm the words of that I'm going to scorn you over there. <laughs> it's legal in Iowa, Trent. Uh, 10.30, Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. Time to talk baseball, as we do each and every week with our friend Matt Snyder. He is a baseball national columnist for CBSSports.com. He's with us. Matt, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you? Hey, sure thing. Uh, really good. Really good. And no, I had never heard that part of the song either. I, don't, I mean, I've heard it, but I don't think I ever noticed it before, so I'm I, right I, with you. Yeah, it just resonated all of a sudden. I, I love the tune, the melody, yeah. etc. Anyway, I never noticed the marijuana part at all. I'm so, with you. Yeah. So those uh, those Yankees, they got one. They've, the Yankees and Mets this weekend, or this week rather, I think, to start the week. Uh, two yeah. teams, we've had this discussion all summer long. We just weren't sure which team's the best in, in the Big Apple. Um, do we have some clarity on that now? Kind of. I mean, I feel like there's not really much of a question, at least right now, that the Mets are clearly the better team, not only with how they've been playing versus how terribly the Yankees have been playing, but uh, the Mets have Jacob DeGrom back. So you have Scherzer and DeGrom atop the rotation. They did lose Carrasco, but Chris Bassett has been unbelievable this month and uh, looks like an ace, really. And that's their number three, two straight top mm-hmm. 10 Cy Young finishes, and that's their third starter. Uh, Taiwan Walker, <clears throat> a few meltdowns, but overall very good four if they have to go into the playoffs with that as their four and no Carrasco. That's not that big of a deal at all. Uh, and uh, look at Edwin Diaz at the back of that rotation. The lineup's really, really good. It's deep, and... Uh, it's not overly relying on the home run, but they can hit the home run to bail them out at times if they need it. So I, I'm very bullish on the Mets right now. Not so much on the Yankees. Yankees struggles continue. They're eight games up still over the Rays and Blue Jays. I mean, they're, they're, the chances of them blowing this one are incredibly slim. But we saw last week that the betting odds went to the Astros. They're now the betting favorite to win the American League. Yeah. How big of a gap now, because we talked about it was a two-team race, how big of a gap do you see between the Astros and the Yankees now, even compared to when the Astros were winning all those games against the Yankees earlier this year? Yeah, it's decent. I mean, and the Yankees, gosh, the offense still seems so reliant on just Judge, and he hasn't hit as well these last two weeks, and of course they've been struggling. And one of the last two games they won was that uh, walk-off grand slam by Donaldson, but (laughs) <laughs> the Yankee Stadium was the only ballpark in the majors yeah. that, that would have been out of. Yeah. It was kind of a pop-up to, to right field, um, which, you know, you can both teams are playing in the same park and everything, and, and sometimes it burns the Yankees, too. I think the Vlad Guerrero Jr. three-run bomb the next night, that's the only park that it would have been out of. So it goes both ways there, but I think the overarching point was that was a game where they scored a lot of runs and it wasn't heavy on Judge, but I still was like, man, it still wasn't that impressive 
per se. Um, you know, Stan coming back probably is going to make a big deal. If you look at a perfect world on the Yankees, LeMayhew and Benintendi would be the table setters. Maybe bat one of them ninth and the other one first because then you get into Judge, Rizzo, Stan, uh, then you go to, down to Donaldson. Um, maybe they all get hot at the same time, and if they do, that's an imposing lineup there. Glaber Torres is somebody I didn't mention. Um, but, gosh, they're just not consistent at all in the rotation. No consistency there. Cole and Cortez still are top two there, but, again, they're inconsistent. Cole is not ace level at this point, like Scherzer is, for example, like Verlander is when we're talking about the Astros. Uh, the bullpen is hit or miss, a lot of times miss at, at this point, but they had the horses to get it going. I think if they played the Astros right now, I'd pick the, the Astros in like five, maybe six, but the Yankees have enough talent and they have enough time. And, you know, you saw that press conference with Aaron Boone where he, yeah. he was like, we've got the guys in there to do it. Well, yeah, they have because they already had them. They didn't make that many <laughs> big moves. Uh, they did trade Jordan Montgomery, but that shouldn't crush their season. Um, but, yeah, the Astros right now look like a much, much sure bet, especially with the consistency in that rotation top to bottom. Um, Bregman is really hot right now, and it you know looks like Alvarez is okay after his little shortness of breath. Yeah, that was weird. Over the weekend, yeah. So it's I think it's the Astros clearly – and a decent gap, considering you're talking about the two best teams in the league. You know, it's not like a gap between like a first and last place team or something like that. But for them being one and two in the AL, it's a pretty decent gap. He and he got uh, the the dizziness or the shortness of breath. Apparently, was blamed on fireworks. Is that what you did? You read? Did I really? read that right? I didn't see that. Yeah, no, fireworks after that. a home run or something so. like that. And, and it was just a weird story. Uh, you know Thanks. what? Um, you know where I want to go with you is a team that just uh, took a series from the Astros, and prior to that, took a series from the Mets. This Braves team, uh, there's something about them. I mean, Freed and Strider and Morton, that's pretty good three reason. Uh, and, and then we haven't even got to the guys uh, around the uh, around the infield, around the uh, the rest of the roster, for crying out loud. They're really good. Um, and I love their manager, Brian Snitker. I think he's one of the most underrated managers. He's got a World Series. I get it. Uh, but he's a terrific manager. This Braves team, if if you're looking for a team maybe that's um, you know not off the tip of your tongue as teams that can win it, maybe not one of the top five, They've got to be very close in that next group of teams because if they get hot, there's no reason to, at least where I sit, that uh, they can't repeat. Yeah, I, I think they're top five. I guess the argument would be if we're going to keep the Yankees in it or what we would do with the Cardinals, who have number six in the power rankings. But your big three is probably Mets, Dodgers, and Astros right now. Uh, Braves are right there along mm-hmm. with the Yankees, and then you'd think it would be at the Cardinals. So. It's interesting. They have such a swagger about them where they feel like uh, they almost come off, and it's this is not an insult at all. This is, is good. You need to be kind of confident to the point of looking cocky, but they almost come off like they have the Dodgers record right now. Like They, they assume that it's inevitable that they're going to come back and win every game. Even the one game in the Mets series that they lost, uh, they came back from a 6-1 deficit in a game that Max Scherzer was starting. Right. And uh, even after the the Mets kind of had that rally and made it nine six, the Braves rallied again in the in the ninth. So it's they just wouldn't go away. And I think we talked about earlier in the year that I thought throughout this year they would have that confidence that they would be able to tap tap into and say, 
well, it's just going to be like last year. We're just going to flip the switch and we're going to turn it on and we're going to start winning and we're going to be studs down the stretch. And it looks like they've done that. And the, the best part, it's easy to say it, but once you've done it, and most of the guys they have in that clubhouse did it last year. The ones who didn't, guys like Matt Olson, who, who's already mm-hmm. a stud, uh, young guys like Michael Harris or now Vaughn Grissom who come up, it's easy when you're young to mm-hmm. feed off that type of swagger from the veteran. So they're just following everybody's lead. Uh, I think they're going to have this kind of confidence and, and cockiness down the stretch, and, man, they're going to be a tough out in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, would not be surprising to see them uh, repeat. Well, uh, a team that we don't know how tough they're going to be in the playoffs, and that's the Brewers. So we see Eric Lauer. He comes up and questioning the front office. Well, for a guy that they traded away and has been terrible since he's been traded in Josh Hader, yeah. we talk about you know you want both teams to win a trade. Did both teams lose this trade? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. yeah, that's how it looks. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I understand what Lauer was saying is where we were in first place. Now they're five games out. It's been amazing how much of a turn that's taken. And uh, I thought maybe it would mess with them a little bit. I didn't think it would be this drastic. But, you know, you also have to give credit to the Cardinals for getting so hot. That's part of the reason that it's flipped on its head so much in the Central. But, yeah, it's. It goes to remember the Mariners last year when the front office traded Kendall Graveman, and the Mariners were right mm. in the playoff race, and they were so sour about it. Like, well, what are you doing? Why are you messing with us and, and, and getting rid of one of our guys? And it, 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 contrast to the Graveman situation in Seattle, he had only been there that one year. Hader is a fixture with the Brewers, Brewers since they became a, a contender here with this group. And, uh, I mean, he, he's probably one of the biggest guys other than Yelich that's been there the whole time since they've been a contender. And, I, it, it, of course, it makes sense now looking at how much worse he's been since he got traded. And he was bad the month before they dealt him. It just seemed like it was a money-saving maneuver because he's going to have such a high arbitration number next year. Maybe Stearns got in front of it and he knew Hader was helplessly broken and he tried to salvage what he could. Um, if that's the case, hey, kudos, you made a good baseball move. But it does seem like it greatly affected that clubhouse. Devin Williams uh, had like a two-minute kind of diatribe about how much, and it, he was the one who got to be elevated to closer. Right, and I thought he would be he fine. Hasn't been, yeah, and he hasn't been that great nope. since then. He's had issues against the Cubs. He's had an issue against the, the Pirates. Uh, it seems like it's really messed with them, and maybe once they started losing, it snowballed a little bit. Like, man, we were going fine until – a guy not even in our clubhouse every day messed with us and took one of our guys out. It seems like maybe there's something to that. I want to go, uh, go back to late last week. You wrote an article on um, the Hall of Fame chances for Paul Goldschmidt. I'm, I'm paraphrasing yeah. the, um, what the, the title of it was. But, you know, I, I read it, and when I first saw it, I'm, oh, boy, I think he's a really good player. I'm just not sure. He kind of sold me a little bit on his chances. Uh, they're certainly better now, I think, than they were at the start of the season as far as people had thought that um, – uh, he even had us going to get a sniff of Cooperstown. So two part. Let's start with Goldschmidt. What's the likelihood? And then I want to follow up with another guy. I want to pick your brain on. Uh, but Goldschmidt certainly having a remarkable year, and you know him and uh, Arnado uh, making um, um, sweet music at first and third base. Yeah. Well, you know, hey, I'm glad I told you that was the goal. You know, I got to change people's minds there. I got to push them over the edge. You did. Uh, he was incredibly underrated in Arizona. 
two runners up in MVP voting and one third place in MVP voting in his eight years in Arizona. And really, he came up and only played 48 games as a rookie. So we're looking at seven full seasons, uh, three times inside, inside the top three in voting. And that's a really nondescript uh, franchise in baseball. Came over to the Cardinals. He wasn't that great in his first year. And maybe that's where, in a lot of people's minds, it was, okay, yeah, he's really good, but he's not that great uh, this year. Geez, he's leading in, in all three triple slash right now, batting every time base and slugging got 100 RBIs, he has 30 home runs again. This is now, yeah, seven 30 home run seasons, four 100 RBI seasons. I think a lot of people would be surprised to see the stolen base total that he actually has 145 stolen bases. Would have never thought that. He, he, he stole 32 one year in Arizona. Um, he, he's, he's great at first base defensively. He, he just does it all. And, and if you go and you look, I did say in the piece, and I thought, it looks like he's hit a couple since then because it was 309 at the time. Now it's 311. That's a low home run total for a first baseman in his mid-30s. But with RBIs and runs, he's going to be right there with a lot of guys. And hits, he's probably going to get up to the 23 to 2500 range uh, with ridiculous triple slash rate sets. Right now on his career, 296 hitter with a 392 on base and 530 slugging. That's as good as not the inner circle elite first baseman like a Lou Gehrig type, but when you get into the the next tier of Hall of Famers, where we talk about, to go with a kind of a contemporary, Jeff Bagwell, uh, Frank Thomas, Jim Tomei, guys who are probably going to make it in Miguel Cabrera and Joey Votto, uh, someone who's on his way to making it right now in Todd Helton. Uh, Goldsmith's going to end up absolutely in that group, maybe toward the top part of it. So let me finish up then, and I agree with you. I, I mean, this is, it looks like a guy to me that's going to first top, first uh, year of eligibility, maybe in the uh, low 30s, and then kind of build momentum, so, right? But here's a guy I want to ask yeah. you about. We never talk about the Kansas City Royals, because why would we? Uh, but I want to talk about their catcher, Salvador Perez, who's early 30s. Uh, of course, he lost a year to, due to injury. What's the likelihood? Because I I see him amongst the best catchers of his generation. Uh, he's got the World Series ring, got a bunch of uh, gold gloves, uh, World Series MVP. Any chance that uh, he gets in the conversation, as, at least as, as, as you wrote about Paul Goldschmidt here? Maybe. I think a lot of it would have to be on those intangibles, like working with the pitching staff and stuff that doesn't show up in, in any kind of stat line. Kind of the Yadier Molina route uh where oh man his war and and stuff like that doesn't look nearly as high as some other guys like joe mauer and buster posey but we've heard for years from people who worked with molina well there are things that he does that you cannot measure in stats and that's where somebody would have to give him a bump like that if they believe he's a hall of famer and just to be clear i do i'm going to be a voter in three years and i will be voting for Yadier molina um, hadn't considered Sal as much. He's a little bit further down. Mm-hmm. Feels like a no, right? But I do. He 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 should get a boost because of that reputation. And like I said, kind of in the same territory as Molina, where you can't measure it all on the stat lines. Uh, he didn't become as big, big time of a power hitter until just very recently. Mm-hmm. And I do think that the the Tommy John surgery cost him some of the county stats there. But if you're looking at uh, 1,231 hits, 217 home runs, a career 266 hitter, hardly ever walks, he's going to need a lot more help outside the stat lines. So it's probably a no, 
but I think he he will get to the point that he will definitely get some votes. He might even avoid a five percent cutoff. But um, trying to think, totally different player, totally different player. But uh, Jorge Posada, I believe he mm. was a one and done. Yeah, I believe he was a one and done. Now he was more offensive catcher, not nearly as much of the reputation on the defensive side. But if Jorge was a one and done. Uh, it feels like a tall order to get Sal outside of that probably, That's right? A fair, fair point. Matt Snyder, CBSSports.com. Matt, have a great week. Thank you for popping on. As always, love talking baseball with you, Matt. Thank you. All right. Have a good one. Yep, you're the same. Good to talk to you. Uh, Matt Snyder, uh, CBSSports.com. Matt Snyder to Mitch Holtis. The voice of the Chiefs is next. Miller and Condon. Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 Meadows. Now back to Miller and Condon on 106.3 KXNO. Here's Ken and Trent. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, 1050 on a Monday, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. So we take you right up until noon. Now let's talk to our friend Mitch Holt as Papa John's make this possible. The voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs took care of Washington over the weekend. Mitch, friend Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you, Mitch? Good, yeah. Jam-packed week with a quick one with the Packers on Thursday night. Transitioning from St. Joseph to now camp in Kansas City. Uh, before we get into uh, some of the rookies, etc., as I said, a caller during the break asked me to ask you. I promised I would, so I will. Uh, Carlos Dunlap apparently uh, didn't play uh, on Saturday night. What's, uh, I guess, kind of his um, his arc towards um, you know playing time? Obviously, they wouldn't have uh, signed him if they didn't think, if they weren't going to use him. At least you would assume. Uh, what's Dunlap's status, Mitch? Do you know? Uh, well, he, he, he's in good shape. I mean, at 10.51 on August the 22nd, he's part of a ABCD four-man rotation at that defensive end spot, which has gone from being a question mark to being a plus and a, a plenty of riches there because Frank Clark, we mentioned, uh, is reborn. Karloftis wow. is showing everything that a first-round draft pick should show. Mike Dan has been good, mentioned him last week. And Dunlap's right in the mix. So it wasn't a matter of him being down the depth chart. It was a matter of getting some snaps for Karloftis and, honestly, Joshua Kando, number 59. They're trying to decide if they're going to put a fifth defensive end on the team. That's what uh, Saturday's laboratory was about. And, honestly, that'll be Thursday again. Big questions at the running back spot. Clyde Edwards-Alaire looks like he will be the front runner to be the starter, but a lot of people anticipated that we were going to see a lot of Ronald Jones. Is there a chance that Ronald Jones might be looking for a new destination for 2022? Well, let's wait and see. I mean, the next group of cuts of five would be tomorrow by Mm -hmm. 3 o'clock Central Time. Ronald Jones Jr. has got uh, got some ability. If the Chiefs were to move on from him, I'm not saying they will or won't. That decision's still to be made. But think about what happened to Carlos Hyde. The Chiefs may try to trade him to somebody who's needing a running back and get a draft pick out of it. Or they keep him on here and let him roll. Now, one of the reasons Ronald Jones Jr. status is even, you're even asking about him, is because of a rookie named Isaiah Pacheco. These first three uh, reports this week with you guys, I'm going to feature rookies uh, that are going to be counted on jump right into the NFL fire. Uh, from week one, and one of those is Pacheco. Seventh-round pick out of Rutgers. Seventh round. Right now he's the Chiefs' number one kick returner, and he's right in the mix. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, uh, Jarek McKinnon, uh, Derek Gore, Ronald Jones Jr. He's, he's right in the mix. 
Um, and with him, a lot of it catches your eye. Well, he's just south of 220. He runs a 4.38, and it's his attitude, emotional and mental maturity. Uh, being one of those guys is willing to uh, play whatever position, uh, you know, to make the team. Most important, most, you know, just being a guy, just listening to details and understanding the concepts and being able to execute it in a fast pace. Very real chance you'd be the number one kick returner. What about having that opportunity and what you need to do to, to thrive in that role? You know, I, I returned kicks in uh, college and, you know, as a, a, as a freshman, I'm a rookie again. Uh, you know, people uh, mistake those freshmen again, you know, on in, in the next level, but um, you know, for a guy like me, just come in and, like I said, listen, whatever coach has uh, for me to play and, you know, just executing the, uh, the scheme and, you know, the full intensity and, you know, whatever uh, he calls, I'm, I'm going to go run 100 miles per hour and, you know, try to make a play. It's refreshing to be around these rookies, you guys. Unique group, mm-hmm. but Pacheco has come out of nowhere to be a main running back and kick returner on this team. I did not know his story, Mitch, that you sent along uh, as part of yeah. your email regarding his family. Remember, Rutgers, good player, did not know the story, that the, 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 the tragedy that he's had in his life. Ken and Trent, he's had a chance to, he had a chance to transfer to Rutgers. They've not been very good, right? We know that. Yep. And his, he has a run behind good offensive lines, but he stayed at Rutgers, which I admire. But one of the big reasons was to be close to his family. He was very close to his sister who was murdered, I believe, in just a couple of years ago. But a year before that, his brother was murdered in a separate incident. Mm. And so Isaiah Pacheco's had to deal with a lot, a lot, particularly being there for his mom during those two terrible tragedies. I mentioned his emotional and mental maturity. Unfortunately, I think he had to grow up too fast. But part of it is also uh, this guy has his compass in the right direction. It's easy to root for Isaiah Pacheco. He's wearing number 10. That's a lot to put on him, right? Yeah. <laughs> Putting Tyreek Hill's old number on him. But uh, people are fast embracing this guy. It's easy to root for a guy like Isaiah Pacheco. Indeed it is. Uh, since we're on rookies, uh, any any Mike Rose news? Any sightings of Mike Rose, the, the former Cyclone? Well, he could have had an interception the other day. Remember Neiman had the interception like his rookie year that kind of flashed him onto the scene. Uh, in Atlanta, I can still see it as like it was yesterday. There was a deflection, and Mike Rose had a chance to pick it off. And that's just one of those flash plays that helps Mike Rose. I think he's probably headed for the practice squad now, and that's not to, do, to do, demean him. That just means he's in the mix, like in the future. It's like a red shirt in college. Um, but nothing, he's not doing anything wrong. He's just riding the bike. It's just there's a lot of guys ahead of him in the path that are riding the bike and ahead of him on the depth chart. One uh, other rookie, Dustin Crum, the quarterback, came in late. Remember him from a year ago at Kent State, who played Iowa early in the season. So saw him. He can move around a little I bit. About yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he can yeah, move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got a shot at, at least making a practice squad. What do they think of the rookie out of Kent State? That would be a longer shot than okay. Mike. Um, but let's just be honest, because Shane Bussell is here, right? And you're not going to keep usually four around. The third one is going to be your. Uh, run your scout squad during the regular season. We know we know Mahomes is one, and we know Henny's two. Henny will get a lot of snaps, I think, Thursday night. And Bouchelle's a solid three. Crum is auditioning. And so, um, in practice squad, even though there's 16 guys now on it, you need that position for other guys. I just think it's a, a long shot for Crum to even be on practice squad. But, hey, 
I've been surprised before. Mm. Karlaftis uh, m- making another uh, impact on this team. Will we hear about uh, from Leo Chanel? Is he one of the rookies you're going to uh, spotlight this week? Because we saw him in Wisconsin. I think he's got a chance. Very God. smart. Well, well, that's part of your Mike Rose story, okay? Is Chanel being in front of him? We got mm. the Big Ten linebackers in there. Um, Chanel's climbing up the board. He's not going to be one I'm going to feature. Tomorrow I'm going to feature Brian Cook. I wanted to uh, kind of move it around here and go to places that uh, – so here's why I'm using Cook, and I'm going to use Karloff this Wednesday. I think they're ahead of the game but being out there against Arizona having prominent positions in week one. Chanel, I think, will be complimentary. Pacheco, Cook, and Karloftis will be right in the heat of the battle starting from the get-go against the Arizona Cardinals week one. All right, let's talk about our friends at Papa John's, Mitch Holtis. Eric, pep- epic, epic pepperoni stuff crust topping, thirteen ninety nine. We got to start thinking about uh, some tailgating here. We got high school football coming, college football's yeah. cranking up, um, and let's go. Papa John's is the tailgate place uh, throughout Central Iowa, and we know what Matt and Tom Donaldson do along with their team uh, across the state of Iowa. So they've got, always got these specials, but more than that, they are special. And it's tailgate time, pizza time, boys. Indeed it is. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a great day, Mitch Holtis. Thank you. See you guys. Yep, yep. good to talk to you. Mitch Holtis, voice of the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, Brian Cook uh, out of Cincinnati. Right? Right? They play a little football there. Yeah, they do. That's uh, that's certainly the case and kind of overshadowed in that secondary. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, they had some dudes, didn't they? Mm-hmm. The guys they sent to the draft this past year. Cincinnati. Unreal. Hour two, coming up next. Cyclones started off. Hawkeyes with Scott Docterman will be next. And Trent's play the day sponsored by Circus Sports. Miller and Condon, an hour to go on a Monday.